A lot of parents have a lot of questions when it comes to bringing up their kids today, especially those complicated teenagers. We're going to tackle some of those questions today right here on Licensed to Parent. Hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent. My name is Trace Embry. Alongside me is Josh Wallace. Uh, Josh and I have a mission. Our mission here at Licensed to Parent is to inform and equip parents with the tools necessary to produce healthy families that will accept and live out the biblical worldview for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Now the first mission field, of course, uh, uh, is right under our own roof. It's our own kids and maybe in our backyard, our neighbors, um, but it's all around us. And we've got, we've got a myriad of questions to answer today, so uh, let's get right to it, Josh. Um, the, the first question I want to uh, get to uh, is this. Someone writes here, in order to, to be fair, and I've heard this a, a bunch of times over the years, in order to be fair, should I raise my kids the same? Yeah, we, we get that a lot of shepherds. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, very often what I hear is, well, you know, I, I raised all my kids the same. They all turned out different. And uh, I have to respond to, well, they all turned out different because you raised them all the same. Yeah. You know, as far as the fair part uh, is concerned, uh, well, the quick answer is no, you don't raise them all the same. Right. <laughs> uh, but as far as the fair part is concerned, you know, it's not fair uh, that I wasn't born seven feet tall so I can dunk a basketball and make a bunch of money in the NBA, you know. Uh, it's not fair that I didn't have the intelligence that my brothers did or my sisters uh, did. It's not fair uh, that, uh, you know, I'm more strong-willed and my others got along with my parents much better than I did. Uh, so every kid that comes out is, 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 a, is a lump of clay. And some of that, that clay is soft and malleable. You know, we'll call it DNA clay if you want to. And then some of that DNA is, is hard. It's still clay. Uh, it's still DNA, but it's hard, and, and, and you have to kind of chisel it into shape. And so, no, you, you, you cannot raise your kids the same. Some kids are going to require more time, more energy, more effort, more teaching, more discipleship. Um, that's just the bottom line. And uh, you have to uh, kind of just act accordingly. You, you have to deal the hand that's dealt you. And uh, so I guess that's the simple answer to, uh, to that question. Um, another question, is self-esteem the root to all teenage problems? Well, if you listen to, um, to modern psychology, I think you would think that uh, uh, self-esteem is the root yeah. to all teenage problems. But I got to tell very, you. Very, very popular today. Oh, yeah. It's something to couch, really just to couch a lot of their problems on well it's a, it's an escape uh just like yeah. uh, a lot of things and i'm not saying that there there are uh self-esteem problems and that there aren't add and adhd and this disorder and that disorder there certainly are uh but to say that self-esteem is the root of all teenage problems uh i i don't think so um look uh, sometimes a lot of these kids have too much self-esteem. I mean, uh, but it's not a genuine sense of self-esteem. It's a falsely fluffed. It's been lifted up because kids have been given trophies just for showing up, merit badges, you know, for right. for you know doing mediocre work. But the Bible says we're to look at ourselves with sober judgment. You know, I, I don't want a juvenile delinquent feeling good about being a juvenile, a juvenile delinquent. I mean, his junior's self-esteem needs to uh, improve uh, in direct proportion 
proportion to his character growth. And now he's got sober judgment by which to determine uh, what kind of esteem, esteem he really has. Yeah. You know, we had a kid uh, that, that came to our, uh, our program at Shepherd's Hill Farm, and he was in the, in the, in the classroom. And he was writing all this negative, dark, uh, violent stuff about the, about the teacher. And the school monitor uh, saw this and approached him. And he said, uh, how do you explain this? And uh, he said, well, when I was back home, um, my, my secular therapist, uh, and, and, be, and believe me, sometimes it's Christian therapists uh, that'll, that, that'll give this advice, right. said that if I can't you know, scream and yell out my inner feelings, uh, then I need to write them out. Well, you know, what secular theory calls, you know, uh, suppression, is suppressed thought, uh, the Bible calls good old-fashioned self-discipline or self-control. Yeah. How can a kid feel good about himself with any genuine sense of self-esteem if, he's, if he doesn't exercise any self-discipline, right. any self-control? Because in the spirit of that person, they know they're out of control. And you can't feel good about yourself when you're out of control. So... That's that's my uh, my take on it. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, I, I was just thinking of uh, D.L. Moody and what he said. It's something you usually say, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you train a, uh, someone that steals railroad spikes, well, that's, you that's, educate them. Yeah, that's in the realm of education, yeah. you know. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, but what I was going to say is with that, it's the same is true with self-esteem. If you give a child trophies just for showing up to mm -hmm. baseball games, same he's concept. Gonna, same concept, yeah, mm -hmm. he's going to be entitled you know, to win the World Series exactly. when he's an adult. Yeah. I mean, I know that's an exaggerated, you know, example, but it's a concept that we're talking about. Yeah, and, and kids, but, the, but aren't kids told that? They're, they're told everyone's a winner? Yeah. I mean, you actually have Christian ministries, and I'm not going to name them, but Christian ministries that have kids play sports, and they don't even keep score. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I mean... <laughs> And th the thing about it is the kids know they're being shocked when that happens. Yeah. You know, they, they know it. And so, you know, I'll, I'll listen, folks, it, allow your kids to fail. It is okay. You know, it used to be that one of the important things in, uh, about sports was not just the comp competitive nature of it and, and to, to bring yourself to a point of excellence, but it was also to bring yourself to a point of good character so that when you lost, you could still shake the hand of your opponent. Yeah. It wasn't this, you know, do or die mentality and all my self-esteem and my self-worth and my value goes out the window because, oh, I lost a game. Yeah, and as parents, if you don't train them how to handle that failure, when they are adults, if they never got that training, how are they going to handle the failure? I mean, what? how can you expect an adult to handle failure? Well, not even an adult, a, a, an older teen uh, uh, to handle failure when right. he wasn't trained at when he was younger. Well, you know, and I've mentioned this on previous programs before, but I used to be a policeman, and when w w I could tell... Uh, the uh, if an individual was was uh, uh, taught to deal with with failure or disappointment right. as a youngster by how they handle a routine traffic ticket, and I'd have a, you know a forty year old man with a, with his wife and a bunch of kids, and uh, I'd I'd walk up to the car and and he'd have to sign his ticket, and uh, you know he'd he'd sign it and thank you I'll slow down blah blah whatever the case may be. That guy was taught to deal with disappointment, yeah. okay? He, he, his character showed it. Yeah. Uh, and then another 40-year-old guy with, with a bunch of kids won't sign the ticket. He's screaming and yelling. He's tearing it up. You know, he's crying. I mean, literally, I've had guys cry. You know, you should be out arresting real bad guys. You know, <laughs> I know the chief, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
And the kids are in the back seat looking like, Dad, what's going on here? It's a, it's a $25 ticket, you know. <laughs> let's get out. Let's get to Grandma's house, you know. It's insanity. So you know, and, and life is full of disappointments. So, so train your kids to deal with it. It's okay. And sports is, 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 a, is a great way to do that. Now, next question. My kid wants no boundaries, none. What am I to do? Well, first of all, you, you, you want to quit buying the premise that your kid doesn't want boundaries right i can tell you he does and i've heard i've had i went round and round with many a parent about this i'll concede the idea that no junior's carnal nature does not want boundaries i get that i my carnal nature doesn't want boundaries <clears throat> excuse me but but my carnal nature and, and junior's carnal nature is not the sum total of who junior is he has a deep spiritual nature and a spiritual need and that part of who Junior is, is wired up in the image of God with all the attributes of God. And it is incumbent upon parents. And, and by the way, th that part of Junior wants to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, that part of me wants to do the right thing. Remember the Apostle Paul uh, uh, in, in Romans, I think, 7, was it? Uh, he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. I find myself doing. Yeah. The things I, I do, I don't want to do. It's the spirit-flesh battle. And your kid is no different. And... When your kid verbally is saying, I want to do this, I'm going to do this, blah, 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 that's when he wants to see you take care of business. Right. That's when he wants to see you say, no, Junior, you're not going to do this, and this is what I'm going to do to stop yeah, it. And in, and in giving these boundaries, you, you are guiding them which is in, in a direction which is going to really soften the blow on some problems that enter when they're teenagers, which we've talked about before, like right. the, the thorny issues. Mm -hmm. um, if... If Junior's allowed to handle failure and understand how to uh, live within the boundaries that authority gives him, then when it comes to real-life issues or even the thorny issues, uh, they'll have a way to guide and dictate through that. And it does. You're right. It all goes back to has that kid been indoctrinated with a biblical worldview, right. uh, taught to submit to a, a legitimate authority from the time that he was right out of the womb right i mean that's that's when this stuff starts right out of the womb when those brain connections are being made and, and they're most effectively being changed uh and stimulated right out of the womb um, and so when he becomes a teenager then um, he'll be a whole lot more likely to be compliant to the things that uh, you know to be good and right and healthy for him so uh, as far as what are you to do uh, parent you are to make sure that those boundaries are enforced uh, consistently with love, uh, but firmly. And however that looks in your home, I'm not going to sit there and tell you what to do. Uh, I don't know your situation, but however that looks, Junior can't win. You, he doesn't. His his car his carnal side doesn't win. You want his spiritual side, parent to the spiritual side. That's the side that wants the victory. And here's the thing: you can't even talk like this to a non-Christian. Yeah. They don't get it. They don't understand. The closest it gets is the, you know, the whole Freudian id, you know, ego thing. The subconscious, maybe a lot of therapists will talk uh, in, in those terms. Okay, next question. Uh, does it really take a village? Was Hillary Clinton right? Uh, she wrote a book called It Takes a Village. Well, the concept, she was right. It does take a village. Uh, where she was terribly wrong is how she defined the village. Right. The village isn't gov government programs and this and that and the other. The village is mom and dad, aunts, uncles, grandparents, neighbors, you know, uh, the authoritative community model, church, things like that. Um, 
legitimate authority. Remember what we said earlier, legitimate authority. Right. Uh, but it does it does take a village. There's no doubt about that. Even if the village is just a village of one, a single parent or a single mom, yeah. it's still the village, so to speak. Uh, and, of course, the more that you have reinforcing that village or that authoritative community, uh, then uh, the better. And what is an authoritative community? Well, uh, folks, get your hands on a book called Hardwired to Connect, the New Scientific Case for Authoritative Communities. It's put out by the YMCA USA. Uh, it was put together by 33 mental health and child health care professionals from Harvard, Yale, UCLA, Dartmouth, Emory, Northwestern, uh, Indiana University, and a bunch, bunch of big schools. But the idea behind an authoritative community is that you want to create an environment for your son or daughter where everywhere that child turns, uh, he's, he's pointed back to a common moral center, uh, a common moral uh, reference point, whether it be other peers, adults, whatever. And th this is why a place like Shepherd's Hill Farm is so effective, because we are an authoritative community. Right. And it's all, of course, done in love and, of course, from the foundation of a biblical worldview. And that really gives a kid a sense of... Um, of uh, security, significance, uh, that, that that they're crying, they're all crying out for, and of course boundary. But uh, we're going to be heading into a break. So Josh, uh, tell the folks uh, a little bit about who we are. What yeah, we do, if you're just now that. listening, uh, you're listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent and out is an outreach ministry of Shepherd's Hill Farm. You can find out more about Licensed to Parent and Shepherd's Hill Farm on HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. And if you're just now joining us, uh, you can access our archives as well, uh, so you can listen to the. Uh, this segment if you're just now t uh, tuning in. Uh, also on our webpage, helpmytroubledteen.org, you can uh, click to be a fan on our Facebook fan page. You can find out more about uh, what's in store for 2011. Be right back. Two minutes. With media, entertainment, and even our public school systems now being virtual training grounds for sin and rebellion, parents are finding themselves at war not only with their teens, but with our entire culture. Hi, I'm Trey Sembry, founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Farm. Shepherd's Hill Farm is a Christ-centered residential ministry and fully accredited school for struggling teens. Teens labeled with a myriad of common diagnoses are leaving Shepherd's Hill Farm medication-free. Science has now confirmed what Scripture has known from the beginning. Humans need God. Shepherd's Hill Farm offers a loving and secure authoritative community atmosphere conducive for life change. I see it regularly. It's Jesus Christ who is doing the healing because our first commitment is to Him. Shepherd's Hill Farm is an intense discipleship training ground, a proving ground for God's healing power for families across the country and around the world. To enroll or sponsor a teen, go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. That's HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Would you please welcome the pride of Alexandria, Indiana, your host, Bill Gaither. Hey, thanks, Bill, and welcome to Homecoming Radio. Do we ever have a great show for you? The Gaither Homecoming Radio, heard every Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock on Christian Talk 660 and 92.9 FM. Brought to you by Dixie Family Restaurant on Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. 
my friend, have connections in the government. 1-800-FED-INFO, the official source for all government information. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why one day you're getting student loan information, next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, call 1-800-FED-INFO. Who knows, money-saving tips today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. Welcome back. If you're just now joining us, this is Licensed to Parent. Here at Licensed to Parent, we are here to equip parents, you, the parent, with the tools necessary to produce families that accept and live out the biblical worldview that we feel is necessary to navigate this culture, uh, this, as Chip Aaron calls it, a defective culture. Uh, now, if you're just now tuning in and you happen to miss the first segment, uh, go to helpmytroubleteen.org and there you'll be able to uh, listen to today's uh, broadcast in full. You can also sign up for our podcast so it gets delivered to your computer each week uh, free of charge. So with that said, we're talking about questions that have been asked by us or to us uh, in our ministry at Shepherd so far. And we're just dialoguing with those questions. So. Yeah, we were talking about authoritative community and, uh, you know, what it was. And uh, we, we, t we said that it was, you know, everywhere Junior turns, you need to be pointed back to a common moral center. Um, but the, uh, the next question is, how can we create an authoritative community at home since there really are no more authoritative communities because of postmodern relativistic uh, uh, thought? Um, there, there really are no uh, authoritative communities in America anymore. It's very scarce. Yeah, n at least the, unless you live in a private community or, or whatever, or a Christian community. But, I mean, my neighborhood growing up as a kid, uh, my neighborhood was an authoritative community. I mean, everywhere I turned, there was someone uh, who pointed me back to a common moral center. And you've heard me say this a thousand times, and I've probably said it a thousand times over the, over the air. But, you know, if, if I did some derelict act down the street, Mr. Jones could peek out his front window, see me doing it, come out inside of his house, pick me up, whack my backside all the way home, hand me to my dad. My dad would take over from there and thank Mr. Jones for doing it. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I wasn't getting involved in that anymore. Yeah. You know, I learned my lesson. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, how do we create that authoritative community uh, in our own uh, communities at home? I mean, well, you, you aggressively have to, uh, to plan this out. I mean, it might depend the neighborhood you choose to live in. Uh, it might depend on uh, uh, the school you send your kids your, to. Your school you send your kids to, where you shop, where you go to church. And I got to tell you, uh, folks, be very picky about where you go yeah. to church. And I would say it's past time for parents to just blindly, you know, enroll their kids into the local public school and to blindly just accept their friends and things like this. Can't do it. Yeah, anything that's contributing to influencing your child, you've seriously got to scrutinize. Mm -hmm. And we highly suggest in everything we do be scrutinized through a biblical worldview. But if, if you're not doing this, if you're just blindly letting your kid do this and that, you're in, you're in for some real turmoil. And, you know, even when a kid has a biblical worldview, he's still going to stray just like you and me. Yeah, I exactly. mean, you know, we, we get tempted by things all the time. Now imagine not even having a biblical worldview. Uh, then you, you don't even feel guilty about the things that you're, you're, yeah. you're engaged in. So, uh, and, 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 you know, the next it brings us right to the next question. You know, can public school ever be an option for a Christian kid? And, um, you know, you've heard me say this before, too. I, I can never endorse public school. Now, I, listen, I, I realize that there are people who th they have no option. Right. I mean, I, I understand that. And 
and that's why it's incumbent upon you as a parent who doesn't have an option but to send your child to public school to make sure that he's indoctrinated at home with a biblical worldview. And there's a million different ways you can do that. Uh, I mean, Bible tapes and teaching and and you know when you are w watching TV and, and and things discuss the issues that are being discussed on on, on the TV program, uh, you know issues on uh, uh, CDs or videos whatever you're watching if you're playing a video game and something comes up that's anti-biblical you know discuss it take the use those teachable moments, uh, but he's got to go into that public school knowing he needs to know regularly that he's going into enemy territory right and not that he has to be a freak of nature but just be aware of it that that these people are going to uh, influence him and it's highly more more likely that they're going to influence him more than he's going to influence them right and this goes for peer influence and teachers both i mean that's what the, pu the public yeah. school is is designed because it's following you know policies and procedures and things it's, there's certain things they can and cannot see, so your your child's not going to get the, the full education. And uh, public schools is a, you know, I would agree with you in the public schools today. And, you know, when I was in public school, I mean, that, that was just, what, you know, 15, 16 years ago. I mean, I've seen, I saw the change when I was going through school. Right. So not only has it, you know, gone down since... I was out of school, but even when I was in school, that slope was going down, and even more so, you know, when you were in school. Well, Josh McDowell says that things are falling off the table so fast, morally, that the uh, the seniors are appalled at what the freshman kids are doing. And we question our own kids at, at Shepherd's Hill Farm, and we hear the same thing. They wouldn't want their little kids and brothers, you know, or uh, sisters and brothers doing what, what they've done yeah. or been, even been exposed to. Right. You know, the school bus is is, is a is a virtual uh Oh, golly, it's almost like a, r a rolling brothel today. Yeah, and w the problem also with public schools that is back to the authoritative community as well, that the teachers' hands are tied as far as disciplining their child That's and exactly pointing right. them to any moral uh, direction. So it encourages the postmodern worldview that, you know, if it feels good, I should be able to do it. You know, I, uh, there aren't really any consequences for the, these immoral actions. You know, and, and, and in defense of, of uh, the public school system, listen, there's there's a lot of good godly people who who are public school teachers oh exactly. and they know they're working uh uh undercover right you know and we need them there you know i'd say if you're a christian s a school teacher uh, hallelujah i mean if you're if you're uh uh you know a, a teacher that that uh, uh has a an option to work in a christian environment or a uh, or a public school environment you know what there are there are time maybe the public school systems where where you need to be yeah you know so and, and look at it as a mission field even though you're going to be very limited as to what you can do but you know your, your life will speak volumes you know saint francis said preach the gospel always use words if necessary you don't always have to be uh teaching a sunday school class for those kids to, to sense that that, that there's something different about you, right? And then when you when they ask you certain questions, then you can you can go for it. Yeah. You know. Uh, next question: uh, How do how do our children know that God is real? Well, they first have to see God real in our lives. That's the bottom line. You know, you need as a parent to be pursuing a deep relationship um, with the Lord. Um, share the 
the historical facts, the archaeological finds, the science behind the evidence of God. And there's plenty of good books. Get, uh, get the Truth Project. Uh, Focus on the Family has a video series for, for teens called The Truth Project for Teens. They have one for the adults, and I suggest that you, uh, you get them both. Um, wonderful evidence for the reality of God, but there is no substitute for uh, your, your son or daughter seeing God lived out through you. Yeah, and it's detrimental, too, because, again, kids are designed to be parent and directed by their parents. Mm -hmm. So when you see a parent saying, you know, don't listen to this music, and then he turns around, the father turns around and listens to that music, you know, you're sending a mixed message. Or uh, same with movies. If you say, we're not going to watch these things, but, you know, as a parent, you go out and you watch these things. Or much deeper, you know, if you set a moral boundary and then you aren't consistent with setting it, you know, you're 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 just doing more harm than good in that kid's life. You're sending a mixed message after mixed message, and, and it, it only brings them back. Yeah, it goes back to the uh, the little devotion we had before a staff meeting yesterday at Shepherd's Hill Farm. Uh, we I was reading from I, I think it was uh, Revelations at five, is it? Uh, when Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea, and he's talking about being you know hot or cold. He said, "I wish you were hot or cold, but because you were lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth." And the idea of coldness being coldness, you have no effect on anybody. Right. You know, uh, if, if you're a Christian and, and you're not living it, you know, just shut your mouth. You know, don't let yeah. anybody know about it. Yeah. You know, um, lukewarm, you're going to have an effect, but it's going to be a negative effect. And hot, of course, is a good effect, and that's exactly what we're, 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 we're shooting for as far as our, uh, uh, our kids are concerned. Uh, okay, next, uh, next question. Uh, do we give our kids too many freedoms today? What would you say? That? You're, you're a young, young guy, not, not even a parent yet. What, what, um, I would, would say, say yes. <laughs> that would be a definite yes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and, and I think a lot of us parent our kids as if it's you know still 1958. Yeah. We don't realize that there's a whole lot of things out there. Uh, and, and, and really, I say out there, they're in here. I mean, they're, they're in the confines of our home. And in the church. And, and in the church. Every, TV, iPod, cell phones, Internet. I mean, it's in. It's, it's, in. it's not just, just out. But, uh, yeah, we do give our kids too many freedoms. And one of the reasons we give them uh, too many freedoms is because we think, well, you know what? They turned a certain age. Therefore, there's this rite of passage that yeah. they deserved this or that or the other. But what they don't take into account and what parents don't take into account is just because Junior uh, came to a, a legal age to drive or to, you know, drink or vote or chew or run with those who do, whatever the case may be, that maybe emotionally or spiritually, intellectually, psychologically, they're not able to handle some of these things. Yeah. And, and there's a phenomenon that, that many folks don't, don't quite get. There's certain part of our brains that don't develop as fast as other parts of our brains. So, yeah, I might be very mature in certain areas of my life. Maybe educationally, I'm getting A, straight A's. But emotionally, and as far as making good decisions, I'm a zero. Yeah. You know, and you see that at, at the farm all the right. time, Josh. This guy's getting right. straight A's in something, and yet has does does not have social skills or or, or the ability uh, to exercise wise choices. Right. You know, and a lot of that is because adolescence has grown from about a year and a half in 1900 to about 15 years in the year uh, uh, 2011. I mean, I was just hearing on the radio uh, or on TV rather uh, the other night. That we want to extend medical benefits to our kids now to 26 years old. 
I mean, I've got a, you know, I've, I've got a 22 year old living in my home right now. Yeah. You know, and I love him to death. He's a wonderful guy. You know, but when I was 22 years old, I was arresting people and taking them to jail. You yeah. know, but adolescence has 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 stretched out to the point to where, um, you know. Uh, yeah. These guys might be 18, even 18 years old, still living in your home, but they're, they're, they just don't have the ability to make some wise decisions for themselves. Yeah, and uh, we're wrapping this up, so uh, if you just wanted to let our listeners know, if you're just now tuning in, be sure to uh, hear the whole segment on helpmytroubledteen.org. There you can access our archives, and if, if you missed out on today's broadcast, you can hear us there. And we'll be blogging on some of these issues, too. Yeah, and, Keep and just, you can access the blogs and all that on Help My Troubled Teen. Uh, dot org also become a, a facebook fan page and i'd really like to encourage you if you found any of our broadcasts encouraging or uh helpful just to uh you know notify a friend let them know to to join on in on the discussion and let us know yeah. drop us a line just yeah. tell us you know this, this is helpful uh, to me all right with that said with that said let me just say what i always say uh, moms and dads if you don't train your kids somebody else will see you next